0: So, first of all, welcome to our service. My name is Minho Chung. I'm the um, pastor here uh, at the church. Uh, In case you haven't had a chance to meet me or um, we haven't gotten a chance to talk yet, that will, if we haven't done that yet, uh, we will. But I want to welcome you to our service. Also, for those of you who are joining us online at a later time, thank you for joining us um, and uh, thank you for being here. Uh, there, there's a story that I heard someone tell, and it cracks me up every time. Uh, we, I don't know if you are around children or you have that person who just loves to pray. I know for me, whenever we have dinner, uh, our, we pray before we, we have our meals. And, and I know that my kids are hungry is when they volunteer to pray. Because they'll pray, they'll say a short prayer so that we can get to eating. And they're like, because dad's going to pray for everything. And five minutes later, uh, we're hungry. And so, um, so I, I know one of my sons. He 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 always jumps in and goes, "I'll pray." Thank you, God, for you know. And and, and he's like ends in like ten seconds, and he goes, "Amen." And then we're, and he just starts eating. We're like, "Slow down, dude. Slow down." Uh, but uh, you know, we, we all know those kids. We all have them, they're around us. Uh, there's one particular um, uh, story I heard from this mother. She was uh, she was sharing this story about her son. And they were at a restaurant, and it was just you know, of course, at a restaurant's loud, and they're talking. But at that very moment, when she says, "Who's gonna say grace?", her son, um, her youngest son, jumps up and says, "I will." And he and he stands around the table and he says, "Let's bow our heads." I don't know who he got this from, but he's like, "Let's." And it's funny because at that moment, all the you know, most of the tables around them got quiet, and then they heard it, and they're like bow your heads, and maybe out of habit, some people were just like, oh, I should bow my head, or they were looking over, and they were listening to this this young man pray, and then he prayed this prayer. He said, dear God, thank you for the food, and I will thank you even more when my mom gets this ice cream for dessert and liberty and justice for all, amen. (laughs) And uh, of course, as you have laughed, the surrounding tables were laughing as well. But there was, it was interesting because there was, a, there was a woman sitting at the table nearby, and she didn't find it funny at all. In fact, she said this. She said, asking God for ice cream, why I never? That's disgusting. And, um, and, and the boy heard this, and he burst into tears. And so the mom said, she goes, I just held him. And he said, did I do something wrong? Is God mad at me? And she said, of course not. God is not mad at you. And then there was an older gentleman sitting at the table across the way. He took the time to get up and he walked over to this young man. He got on one knee and he said, young man, he goes, I happen to know God. And I can tell you this, that was a beautiful prayer. He would have loved that prayer. He does love that prayer. And the little boy's face lit up, and he said, really? And he says, yes, cross my heart. That was a great prayer. He looked at his mom. His mom nodded her head, and she said, yes. And and then he said, and he leaned, he said, come here. i got something to tell you. And he leaned in a little closer. He said, you know, see that lady? She's never prayed for ice cream in her life. But you know what? A little bit of ice cream is good for your soul. And then he smiled. And of course, what does the mom do? She has no choice. <laughs> but at the end of the meal, she ordered him the biggest bowl of ice cream, right? And so she orders him this ice cream. They put it in front of him at the table. Of course, the other kids are jealous going, okay, where's my bowl of ice cream? And then, but she said he did something interesting. His eyes were big, but then they got small. He picked up the bowl of ice cream. He walked over to the lady, and he set it down in front of her. And he said, excuse me, ma'am, a little bit of ice cream is good for your soul, and my soul is good already. And he walked away. You know, um, I believe this. The single most important thing about you, about your future, about your family, your emotional health, your spiritual health, your emotional well-being is, is that this question, is your soul in good shape? And it is the most important thing about you. And your soul, it never is in good shape if you don't have hope. Uh, That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul writes about love. And out of everything Paul describes, he says this. He writes, and now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. But he said, faith, hope, and love, those things remain, and we must hold on to it. Today's scripture passage comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Hear the word from the prophet Isaiah. And this is what he says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, there are days where I trust you immensely. And I feel that strength there are also days where my, my trust is lacking. And it's not because of you, but it's because of me. I, uh, I grow weary. And I will faint from the pressures and from the stresses of life and all the responsibilities that we have. Or sometimes we find ourselves in the thing where there are walls coming in or there are things pulling us in different directions. But Lord, you are good. And your love endures forever. May may faith, hope, and love continue to remain in us. And so at this time, meet us where we are. Will you increase and may we decrease, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our new series that we're starting for the next seven weeks. We're going to talk about hope for seven weeks. Yes, we are because there's different components of it. And I hope that it, with each week, we'll understand a little bit more how we're going to continue to progress down this road. But um, it, it's based off, it's, we're calling it Unleashing Hope. And, and it's based off a book by a pastor named Ray Johnson. He wrote a book called The Hope Quotient. And he says, and he came up just like, like one of those emotional uh, intelligence tests and different uh, IQ tests. Their tests, and he came up with this test to uh, along with other people, they did research and they came up with this test that come up with a hope quotient. How how hopeful are you? And so uh, the series will be based on this um, on this book. But it all started uh, by Ray Johnson. He's a pastor of a church called Bayside Community Church. Uh, it's a it's a church in Northern California. It's a very large church. I think uh, I believe the last time I saw uh, the membership of this church is somewhere ten thousand members. It's it's a very large church. Uh, but um, uh, his daughter was taking a class in college on leadership. And she, her, she was tasked with a job of interviewing an influential leader in her life. And who better was her father who was an influential leader, a pastor of a, a, of a large church. And so um, uh, she asked him 20 questions. And she gets the, to the 20th question and, and she asked this question, what is the single most important thing you do as, as a leader. What's the, what's the single most important thing you do as a leader? And he said, oh, that's easy. It's easy. He said, the single most important thing I do as a leader is I make sure I stay encouraged. That's the single most important thing that I can do as a leader. And what's interesting is she looked at him funny and, because she's like, wait, of all the things that you do as a leader, this is the single most important thing you do. And she said, yes. And he said, yes. He goes, uh, he goes, if I'm not encouraged, then nothing else matters. Johnson says that there are seven factors to help us stay encouraged, to find hope and to give hope to others. And so we'll, we're going to take a look at these seven factors. And the greatest gift that this is, hope is the greatest gift that we can give to our families Hope is the greatest gift that we can give to our coworkers or, or strangers that we come in contact with. The greatest gift is we can give them the gift of hope. Now, one of the things I don't want to do, and this is not what this is, this is not a self-help type of series. This is not what this is. We have to understand that everyone gets discouraged. We all have reasons uh, of our life where we, we, we all have seasons of our life. Where we experience suffering, hopelessness, brokenness, and difficulty. And I remember when, uh, when I was in my final semester of seminary, let me tell you, um, it only, only about three more months left. But at that point, I just wanted to give up. I was like, what if, I, and I looked at my wife, I was like, what if I quit now? Right, what if I just get a job? I was like, what if I could just, and and of course she looked at me and she was like, we didn't spend all this time and money for you to stop at the very end. No, you keep going. And I'm like, I need a little hope. And she goes, well, um, there are others. (laughs) It's like, look, you you just need to, you need to find hope somewhere and you need to finish, right? But there are times where we feel that way, right? Um, it, 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 It may be the type of environment that you work in where you feel like, man, this is not a great environment to work in and you need to find hope. Maybe it's the, it, getting the news that that lump that you took a look at, it's not benign, but it is cancer. Or maybe it's getting a talk from your boss and they brings you into the office and says, hey, we're going to have to start our first round of budget cuts. We're going to have to lay you off. I got a, I got a call from a friend um, last week who asked if I would pray for him because um, he had a talk with his boss and they laid off a bunch of people in his company. And he says, now I'm going to have to start looking for a new job. And so I was like, hey, we're going to pray. We'll pray for you. You know, here's one thing that I know that remains true. It, it doesn't matter if you are rich or poor, Christian, or you don't believe in a God. Uh, if you are married, you're single, young, old, whatever, what gender or race. It doesn't matter. There is no bias when it comes to experiencing difficulty. Hopelessness and suffering. There's just no bias. I, I think that that is one of the mistakes that can be made here in the church. Is it, it, we, we say things like this. Hey, if you just give more, if you are just more faithful, then you will be blessed financially. You will be be, you'll get better jobs. You will have better things that happen in your life. But here, here's the thing. If that were true, then wouldn't our churches be more packed? It's just not true. Now, there are good things that happen, but it's not so much what happens to you, but it's what happens within you. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3-9, through 9, this is what the Apostle Peter says. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So, be truly glad. Because there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. He, he doesn't say, hey, life is just going to be grand from here on out because of your faith in Jesus. He says, even, there is joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith, is, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. And though you do not see him, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. And the reward of trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Peter, of all people, understood this well. You know, in faith as Christians, he states the opposite: you will not be drenched in wealth and life; it will not be smooth as butter. But in fact, you will experience trials. You will see your brokenness. You will experience difficulty. And you will even experience suffering. And we will all wrestle with it at some point in our lives. And you know what? It just doesn't happen once. It comes again and again and again. See, God doesn't love us because we're good or we have it all together. God loves us because God is good. And in God's goodness, he is the source of hope and life for all of us. So what does hope have to do with all this? Well, this is what Ray Johnson says. He says, why is this a big deal? Because getting and staying encouraged is everyone's number one need, whether they know it or not. In the book, uh, Ray Johnson, he interviewed a well-known psychologist who had an incredible success rate with couples who were deeply troubled in their marriages, on the verge of divorce. But, uh, but he had this incredible success rate. And this is what the psychologist, when he asked the psychologist, how do you do it? What do you say to them? What, what's the process? How do you, why is your success rate so good? And so this is the response of the psychologist. He says, I just try to get 10% improvement. He said, when couples get that 10% improvement, they get hope. And when someone gets hope, anything Is possible. Isn't that amazing? It's not you just try to get people to 50% or 40% or not even 25%. That's how powerful hope is. 10%, if you can get people to 10%, you can accomplish anything. See, that makes hope the highest octane fuel in the universe. And this is what hope does for us. It does four things. One, it liberates us. It releases you from your past. All of us come from a past. I know I do. But hope releases you from the past and propels you into the future. Hope, it motivates you. It helps you bounce back. Right? Some of you have, um, have, any Cubs fans in here? <laughs> if you don't have, an- you can't be a Cubs fan and not have hope, right? Y- y- are you a Braves fan? Because uh, I, I-, I pray for hope all the time. <laughs> I was like, are we going to get past the Phillies ever? You know, so one day we will. I have hope and it motivates me to continue to support the team. But hope helps you bounce back. It motivates us. It initiates us. It, it, sets you to, it sets you free to dream. See, hope frees you to dream bigger dreams. And then it, it activates. It is the fuel that makes the world a better place. Because that hope is fueled and it is activated through you. Not for you to wait for it to be activated in somebody else. And go, man, I hope that person catches some hope and they do something but hope activates in you hey look because look at this look at some of the characters of the bible joseph right joseph had a dysfunctional family i mean it was so dysfunctional they sold him into slavery and yet he bounces back and he does some pretty incredible things david Still, claim, still is claimed to be a man after God's own heart, but he bounced back from some pretty horrible acts. Or the prophet Elijah delivered God's message but suffered personal criticism constantly because people didn't want to hear what he had to say. Or the prophet Jeremiah who suffered great depression because every time God said, I want you to deliver this message, people would throw, throw things at him, curse at him. And saying, you're not, you're not a messenger of God. And yet God's speaking into him all the time saying, you are my messenger. Go out there. Continue to deliver my message. Mark was rejected by a great Christian leader. He was deemed as someone who was unreliable and couldn't participate in missions anymore. And yet he bounced back and he was activated to write the gospel of Mark, which is the foundation for all the gospels. Right? Or Peter. Who suffered disappointment with his inability to withstand pressure from people and even disappointed himself. Or even Jesus. He let down a lot of people. Because their idea of the Messiah was a, a totally different person. Yet when he needed people the most, his three closest confidants fell asleep on him. See, hope is not wishful thinking or blind optimism. Hope comes from a great source, and that is God. God is our source of hope, and that hope helps us float in the midst of storms and difficulties and whatever hardships we face. And so, how do we improve hope in our lives? How can we up the hope quotient in our lives and your life? Well, today, uh, one of the things that I want to share with you is one thing we can do is this we need to recharge our batteries. We just need to recharge our batteries. I'm going to read Isaiah 40:31 to you again. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Um, you know, we think about an eagle, right? And uh, and sometimes I think about that, that song, The Wind Beneath Your Wings. And, and sometimes it, it is a little cheesy, right? But... There is something to be said why Isaiah um, gives us that, that image. It's because there is a, a prayer shawl that the Jews had. And they would cover themselves like this to pray. Because that's where they would find hope. They would go and they would retreat with the Lord. And they would hold on to the ends. And at times what they would do is they would raise it out in prayer. And uh, it, would, it, would, they, it was the motion of the spirit of God would come in. And would breathe fresh wind. And it was almost like they were, they were riding on the winds of God. Giving them hope and strength. And that's what they would do. And so when they would retreat back and close their prayer shawl, it was, uh, that was a symbol of going into their prayer closet to pray privately, to be before the Lord. And so this is the image that we see. Look, if we do not tend to our spiritual health, and fuel our hope in God, then what happens is, is we begin to start making unhealthy decisions. We run from responsibility. We, we place blame on other people instead of taking a look at ourselves. We, we lose perspective, and we give up too soon. Christian author Gail McDonald says this, Untended fires soon become nothing more than a pile of ashes. So here's a question for you. What fuels you? What fuels you? When your energy bar reads, uh, is reading low and you're running on fumes, when, uh, when we do not charge our batteries, we find that discouragement sets in, right? I don't know if, uh, if you're a person who stays up late or you run on a minimal sleep. Um, I, 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 did the, I was going to a military academy and we had to go for weekends. Um, and so to prepare, because as we were about to enter, uh, so I, I had to go a couple weekends. And what they do is they keep us up and they keep running us. And let me tell you, when I don't get sleep, I turn into a different person. I'm not uh, the, the pastoral person that I should be. I become this person who um, has negative thoughts. I'm the Debbie Downer of the group. I become this person that goes, why are we doing this? And I'm, I become the complainer. And then people are looking at like, you just need to be quiet. And you know what? I found that even when I could get 30 minutes of sleep and then I come back and I feel like I have a little bit of battery life, uh, I'm a different person. I don't know if that's the same for you. I assume it, it is because we need sleep. Uh, I, if you have met my children, I, I can tell you there's a difference when they sleep. At least 8 hours to 10 hours a night or when they sleep less than that, they, they're like Jekyll and Hyde. It's, it's, it, and we are all like that too. I am the same way. Um, but we, we need that. When, you're, when your energy bar is low, we need to recharge our batteries. Because if we don't, discouragement sets in. When we consi- consistently run on low batteries, that's when we do not see where we're apt to fall to our own addictions, proclivities, and struggles. Uh, the group Alcoholics Anonymous has uh, this acronym for helping people understand when they are at a place, when they are apt to succumb to their own addictions. It's called, they call it HALT, H-A-L-T, and it stands for if you are hungry, if you are angry, if you're lonely, and if you're tired, you need to stop, get some food so that you can stop being angry I don't, or hangry, right? Um, if, if you're lonely, you need to make some connections with people. And if you're tired, you need to get some rest. So when we are at a place, when we are drained, life is, and life is going and going, and it's not stopping. There are things in our life that will continue to drain us. When we find ourselves in a place where we're hungry, when we're angry, when we're lonely, and we're tired, we begin to make unhealthy decisions. And we go down this road that it keeps going and going. So paying attention to that helps us move to a place to recognize that we need to feed our souls, our minds, our hearts, and to, and to give us strength. And if you're a person who is serving other people, you got to remember, uh, this is one of my favorite things on an airplane. When they, uh, when they first, before they take off, they say, do you remember? They say, when those masks come down, because my, I have to be reminded, because my initial reaction is, is I want to help other people. But I'm going to pass out doing it if I don't have oxygen. And then I am of no use. So they say, put the mask on yourself first. And then turn to your neighbor and help them. So that, we, uh, so that we can have what we need to be able to have the energy and strength to serve other people. Psalm 31, 24 says this. So be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. I want to remind you. Hope is not blind optimism. It's not hoping for the best, that outcomes will, I I sure hope this, this comes out well. No, it comes when we trust the Lord. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're given the gift of salvation that gives us hope. And it becomes our source of hope. And the fuel of our hope comes when we pay attention to doing things like investing in our lives. See, when we invest in ourselves, we get to uh, we get encouraged. We find hope. I, I want to encourage you whether if, if you're not in a Sunday school class. Uh, I want to encourage you to jump in because that's a great place to get connected, to find community, right? It's it's supposed to be the we're supposed to find things uh, when we invest in ourselves things that are life-giving. Not because we make it life-giving. But because the God of the universe has given you life. And so when we are connected with people and it fills us and it fuels us, it gives us the ability to serve and connect with our community. To connect with one another. Guess what? One of the greatest uh, fuels for hope is when we connect with one another. See, that's why God says, love God. Jesus says, love God, love people. Because when we love God, he is our source of hope. And when we love one another, we get to share that hope with each other. And we fuel one another. The second thing is, is you know what we do? Is our worship. Our worship. Isaiah 40, uh, 31 reminds us that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Worship rekindles our hope. But I'm not talking about Sundays. Here's the thing. If you depend on one hour a week to fuel hope for you, and you don't change, uh, a, 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 and, and that doesn't change for you, guess what? Um, how many of you charge your phone on Sundays? You put it on the charger, you put it on your counter, and you charge your, your, and it gets 100%, and then you start using your phone on Monday, and then you don't charge it till the next Sunday? How many of you do that? Nobody does. Why? Because if you use your phone, it runs out by the end of the day, right? Um, Sometimes there there are days where I'm like, I'm in trouble because I'm needing to charge my phone in the middle of the day. Something's happening, right? Either I'm on my phone too much. I gotta stop. I gotta get off Instagram, and then I've gotta like pay attention to other things. I've got to do something when I've got to charge my phone in the middle of the day. You don't charge your phone and expect it to run for the next seven days. Much of the time, uh, you have to charge your phone each day. And depending on how much you use it, our worship comes in many forms. It comes in forms of different ways that we get to connect with God. How are you connecting with God each day? See, one of the things that we forget is this. Worship is a spiritual discipline. For some of us, worship is is a place where we come and we get charged and we get encouraged to last us through the next Sunday. And that is not what it's meant to be. And that is not what we're meant to do. Because let me tell you, if you have stressful jobs, if you're constantly moving, you get fueled on Sunday, you will run out by Tuesday. What are you going to do Wednesday through Saturday? Be the biggest jerk in the world until Sunday comes around? Like, all right. Now I can get pumped up again. No, that is not how faith works. When it it comes to worship, see, worship is a spiritual discipline. There is a connection when it comes to private worship and corporate worship. When you are practicing the spiritual discipline of worshiping privately, you are bringing your active, live worshiping self into this corporate worship. And you're not counting on the worship team or the sermon to just do that for you. When you come together, your worship ignites together. We're charged with one another, we're connected with each other. And when we connect with God, see, God, He restores joy, He renews your strength. And that happens daily. The last thing I believe we need to do to, re, uh, to recharge our batteries is this. We need to continue to unleash the word of God. And I'm not talking about unleashing the word of God to other people. I'm talking about unleashing the word of God to ourselves. Theologian Martin, Lloyd joins, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He says, all great life change starts when I change the way that I think. And the way that we change our thinking is when we continue to hear the word of God and it is spoken to ourselves, when it's written on our hearts. You know, the Hebrew people, you know what they used to do? They used to take scripture, the Torah, and they would write it down and they would tie it around their left arm. Why? To keep it close to their heart. You never know... When we're preaching the word of God to ourselves and we're unleashing that word to ourselves, what it does to other people. I'll share a story. Uh, I got a text message um, two weeks ago from one of a baseball coaches. Uh, my son, um, he, um, he's a pitcher, um, and he writes a scripture verse in the bill of his hat. And he wasn't doing well. <laughs> so, he, of course, the coach takes a visit to the mound and my son takes off the bill, and he's, like, looking at it, and, 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 he, and the coach looks at it, and he saw the hat, and he read it. And then he put it on, and he encouraged him. He's like, hey, go out there, do the best you can. If you don't, I'm going to pull you, right? And, and I, I told the coach, get him out of there. You know, I'm a little bit harder on my son. Um, and uh, and the, the interesting thing is a couple weeks later, he texts me, and he said, hey, I want to share something with you. Um, I'm not a big church goer. But I saw the scripture passage in your son's hat. And I went back and I read it again. And he goes, I've been having a real difficult time at work. And I read that passage. And he said, it, it, it changed my way of thinking and it charged me. And it gave me hope. He goes, thank you. Thank you for encouraging your son. I was like, I didn't encourage him. He wrote it. He goes, you never know when things like that can affect another human being. And he said, thank you. You never know when you unleash the word of God, not on other people, but when you do it, unleash the word of God on yourselves, what it may do to the heart of another person. And, it, and, it may, and you may never know it. And you know what? You don't have to know it. But it, it fuels other people. It gives people hope. It's good to listen to ourselves and others, yes. But when we equip ourselves with the armor of God and give ourselves the weapons to help us against the very things that set out to destroy our hope, man, we need that each day. Because, look, we can read the news. And we can look at there's despair all around. There's hopelessness all around us. I mean, look at whatever news feed you look at. And you can go down the row of all the things that are happening in our world. And it can send you in a spiral and say, what's the point? Where's the hope? But we need to continue to unleash God's word upon our own hearts so that we can hold on to that hope. That's why in scripture it says, therefore anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built their house on the rock. You know, one of the things that I do, and this is a prayer that I pray as we bless the offering is uh, I say this to myself. I say, Jesus, I belong to you. And I'll say it over and over and over again. When there are moments where I am stressed, when I'm tired, and I start feeling the hungry, angry, lonely, tired, one of the things I'll sit and I'll stop and go, Lord, I have to remember, I belong to you. Jesus, I belong to you. And I'll say it over and over again until I actually, it sets in my heart and, I, and I'm reminded of it. Jesus, I belong to you. Jesus, I belong to you. I'm going to invite Samantha to come and play for us. But what I would like to do is take a moment. What is the word that God wants to unleash in your heart? What does God want to say to you in this moment? Is the time that we're spending in our private lives, is there time for worship for the Lord? To connect with him. So that when you do come corporately in the worship of this space, that you're alive. And that we get connected. And it comes alive in us. Are the words that we speak to ourselves, are, are, they, are they words of of discouragement, when we tell ourselves, I can't do this. What's the point? I continue to fail over and over again. Or why did I say this? What did I do? When the words should be, trust in me. I will uphold you with my right hand. Hold on to me, for you are mine and I am yours. I am your God. Don't forget that. I will love you all the days of your life. I belong to you. Or maybe the words for us is, Jesus, I belong to you. But what are the words for you? What are you investing in? What are you investing in? So that you may feel hope in your life. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we belong to you. Will you wake up our sleepy hearts and our sleepy minds and our sleepy spirit? And will you open our eyes so that we may be reminded that we belong to you, Jesus. We are yours and you are ours. And we belong to Jesus, we belong to you. So will you continue to pour out your spirit of hope upon us so that you can release us from our past? So that you can motivate us and that you can activate us to be people that are filled with your hope and that we are actively Extending your grace and your mercy and love to one another. Because I know that we need it, I need it, but I also know that we are encouraged and we are called to love not only you, but to love one another because we need one another. This is what makes us who we are, the body of Christ. Will you continue to hold on to us, Lord? We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.